everybody and welcome to our podcast on the res auctions. So the res auctions coming into Ireland this year have been outlined by the DCCAE and on today's podcast we're going to talk you through the various bits and pieces on that. So we're going to look at the eligibility, we're going to dig into qualification, look at what you need for qualification, um, talk a little bit about bid bonds and then we're going to talk a little bit about the parameters around the auction, the market competition and some of the key pieces that may impact on bid pricing. Um, with me today, I have my colleague, uh, Catherine Edwards, who's been at all of the market events uh, following the res auctions quite closely. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. Um, and today, we're just going to sort of talk through all of the different pieces, a uh, bit backwards and forwards, and hopefully give you a clearer idea of, of what to expect in the coming months as, as res rolls around finally. So, Catherine, can you talk about the eligibility? So, obviously, a lot of projects across across Ireland trying to go into this res auction, but exactly who is able to go in? Right. So, what you need to know starting off is that there are three preference categories going into the res auction. You have your community preference category, solar preference category, and then your all projects preference categories. So, uh, looking at community preference categories, you're basically looking at anywhere between zero gigawatt hours to a max of 30 gigawatt hours uh, eligible to be um, bid in for this. Um, so, it's, this is basically a, a community project, obviously as stated by the preference category. Yeah, and that means that the community has to own at least 51% yes, of that correct. Yeah, at least 51% of that project must be owned by the community. Um, potential benefits of being a community project is that no bid bond is required um, to pay in at the start of the project during the qualification and auctions and uh, whatnot. Yeah, and that's that's different to everyone else. So any other private developer is going to have to post a bid bond. They're going to have to think carefully about how they raise the funds for that and pushing those across the line. Um, yes. So looking at the solar category then, um, I think on our last estimate, we had about 2,000 to 2,500 gigawatt hours going in for this category uh, this year, but that's not going to fit the bandwidth. No, no. This year, you're looking at like max gigawatt hours of 300. Um, that- Which is a significant reduction on, on what's available. I mean, that's down at almost 10%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is um, interesting going into this because we are anticipating an increase in solar projects. However, it is capped relatively low uh, compared to, to previous years. And for solar project categories, unless it's a solar community project, it does require a bid bond. Um, and for individual projects, I believe the bid range is anywhere between 1 to 125 megawatts. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about the all projects category as well is that the, there is a min and a max uh, yeah. for the amount of projects that can get across the line. So a minimum of 1,000 gigawatt hours up to a maximum of 3,000 gigawatt hours. Yes, correct. So looking at then uh, the sort of preconditions into getting into the auction. So what if I'm a project developer, what do I need to get into this auction? Right. So you're going to need your planning consent at the beginning. Um, basically, you need to go in with full planning permission. Then you're going to need grid connection, uh, contracted or ECP1 um, eligibility offer, basically, which is uh, difficult to attain at the moment. So that's kind of that could be a well, yeah, barrier. I mean, it's all it's already set. So anyone who's in ECP1 um, is setting for this auction. So ECP2 is obviously going to roll around uh, in the next couple of years, which will hopefully build out the size of um, the market competition for the next set of res projects. So in the first res auction, we're looking at ECP1 offers as well, but also the other contracted efforts. What about site control? I guess you need to have 
right of access and you need to have your lands or like yep. you need to have your options on on that yeah and um, financeability as well is an interesting one uh, at the end of it as well yes. isn't it? yeah you basically need to show some sort of proven financeability in order in order for it to be an eligible project so picking back up on grid connections then airgrid recently released the amount of uh grid connection offers, full offers that they've managed to get out at the moment. Um, it's still significantly behind. I think it's safe to say that the ECP1 offers have been slow in coming out. They have committed to releasing them all ahead of the res auctions, but those grid connection offers have been slow coming around. So still a significant number still to be released, which is hugely impactful on anyone who is now looking at pre-qualification and thinking about their bids. So they're looking at bid bonds already without actually knowing the cost of their projects. So yes. They're in a position where they're having to put up a bid bond without actually understanding whether or not that project is going to be uh, an achievable project in the res auctions because they don't have their grid connection yes. costs yes. Yeah. Or, or anything associated with that, which makes uh, understanding what they have to give um, really, really difficult. Confusing, yeah. Hard to hard to determine. So tell tell me through bid bonds then. What do I need if I'm a developer going into the project? What do I need as a as a bid bond? Right. So basically, whatever um, potential megawatt you think the project's going to deliver, your bid bond value is essentially two thousand euro per megawatt. So you're going to have to put that up. Um, the community idea projects, though, obviously. Yes. Zero. Yes. Exactly. Those are excluded. Community projects excluded from putting up a bid bond, as well as um, solar community projects. The intent behind bid bonds is to weed out various applicants. You hear this all the time in um, when, whenever you're going around a sort of a, an, an auction strategy or a renewable auction strategy. I heard this all the time in the UK, spurious bids, spurious bids, as if it's this ma- massive problem um, in the marketplace, as if developers are not serious business. Yeah, but I'm not sure it why. It always just strikes, yeah. a, strikes a tone <laughs> with me, as if somebody would go out of their way to spend... Yeah. several hundred thousand euros putting a project together just to fire in a, a speculative Yeah, a res bond. seems complicated enough. I'm not sure why you do it for fun, just just to, for the fun of it. But uh, yeah, so that's the idea behind it. Yeah, so each qualified applicant will be required to provide a bid bond to the TSO. Um, and then say you are successful, uh, the bid bonds will be returned to you following their execution of the implemented agreement and posting of the performance bond. Yeah, so the performance bond comes in later, and that's that's to make sure that you you build out as you said you would, and the bid bond is obviously to make sure that you accept the contract once yeah. once you've sort of bid into the auction and, and, and try to push it along that way. The performance bond then coming in later at a later date, uh, full details of that contained within the updated T's and C's, hopefully. Um, but all of this is kind of in doubt anyway, isn't it? So we're looking at our timeline here. Um, obviously, going back to the various different uh, auction pieces, we were we're expecting qualification to open on the 2nd of March. The final T's and C's were due to be February 14th. February 14th, yes, correct. Um, final, final provisional qualification pack. Technical information Technical pack, pack, yes, was do the 21st so uh for us that was last friday um haven't have yet to see either of those things yeah so i think that's, that's an important thing to note so the final t's and c's due out on february 14th have not been issued correct the technical information pack due out on the 21st not issued correct qualification due to open on 2nd of march yeah tbc yes yeah <laughs> 
as usual, the rumor mill is awash across the industry at the moment. Uh, rumors of people calling up different different TSOs, questioning yeah. different TSOs. I say as though the groundwork is being laid now for potential delays and res. I think anyone at the recent uh, renewable energy summit will will have gotten a strong indicator from that talk, given at that at that uh, summit by the DCCAE yeah. as to. Uh, a hint that a, a delay is on the ca- on the way. Usually, this news is broken gently and softly. Yeah, yeah. Or I can't see it coming out on time. No. Well, another another issue is uh, back in November, we attended one of the industry update events, and they had indicated then that state would approval would be basically given uh, by February. And as you know, this is the last week in February and we have yet to see anything on stated approval. So that's another thing kind of holding holding the, the timeline back a bit, I think. Yeah, and I don't think the stated approval will necessarily could necessarily stop them putting out qualification, but it's hard to see a responsible uh, department um organizing all of this uh, mm-hmm. ahead of having that confirmed and formally put in place. So while maybe legally there's no implication to stop them from doing it, I can't see them doing it without that state yeah. approval. I, I just can't see it being a, I guess, a, a competent thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what does this do to our auction timeline then, I guess? So our auction due end of end of June, results due out last last day of June, I think they are. Yes, yeah. Um, and all looking at a sort of delivery timeline. So the delivery timeline was was a little bit flexible with a 15-year contract uh, extending out to a 16-and-a-half-year contract as yeah. well. Um, and I guess that pushes all of that back as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And, and again... Um, I think this coming week will be really telling of that, given that the application um, for a qualification is due is originally currently due to open next Monday, but we have yet to receive yeah, final T's and C's or the technical information pack. So um, I think unless those come out this week or early next week, as along with the qualification information pack, I don't see things. Yeah, and in that technical qualification information pack, it's supposed to be. Uh, some important pieces of the, of the puzzle as well. So those bid bonds need to be posted at the back end of March. So that's on the 26th mm-hmm. of March at five o'clock. And yes. as yet, still no details yes. of exactly where to post that money, yep. how to post to that money, yep. and who you post that money to. So the technical information pack is a reasonably important document yep. in all of this um, and not something that can just be rushed out on a whim. So without that technical information pack, I think it's it's looking very likely that everything is going to be moved back. So if you look at how delays typically unfold uh, for AirGrid, it's um, an updated timeline and then everything goes falls back from there. I don't think they'll be rushing out an updated timeline uh, at present without that state aid approval. And I don't see that state aid approval coming through anytime soon. Yeah. So one of the things then I guess when the auction finally does happen um, is, is, is going to be around, you know, what's going to affect our bid price. One of the key things we always get back from people is, okay, what, what's the price going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the price going to be? Who's in it? And who's going to win it? There, there are three things yeah. that everybody wants to know. So Catherine, what do you see as three main things within the T's and C's now, not necessarily thinking about 
the market who's in it who can finance who can finance projects better because that's that's kind of intangible things that would be uh, tough tough to answer really but within the the T's and C's themselves um, what is going to impact on this then right so I'd say the three three main things you should look out for um, is lack of indexation coming up here, market competition, and curtailment. Um, so there is no indexation in this res auction, uh, which has come as a bit of a surprise. Obviously, that is has the potential to impact bidding strategy. Uh, do you bid in higher to try and you know accommodate potential? Uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at um, how inflation impacts inflation, on, thank on, you. Yes. on on a project, and one of the things that organisations that struggle to do perhaps is to quantify inflation and indexation uh, in a consistent manner with everyone else. Because depending on your organisation, you may view uh, inflation slightly differently. You may be using a different index, so it becomes quite challenging, really, to make sure that everyone in this auction will evaluate that risk the same and yeah. it pushes unfairly a risk down onto generator and developer they're looking out now 15 years and thinking well what is the the wider economy of ireland europe mm-hmm. you know the energy markets the uk impact on this as well what's gas price going to do yeah i think especially the small smaller guys as well Exactly. Yeah. You're looking at companies like ESB will have probably a, a good understanding of that. But a small solar developer, a community project, how, the, how in God's name are they going to be able to yeah. uh, measure indexation, uh, you know, quantify all those risks without paying um, a huge amount of money to to a financial market a financial markets company to understand that. It, it really is a, one of the stranger decisions in this in this whole pack. And it I feel that uh, as a as a department they're much better able to absorb that risk, particularly as uh, government budgets and things like that will rise with the inflation as well, will yeah. rise with the index. Yeah. As the economy grows, so too does their mm-hmm. budget, so too does everything around that, and so too do so too do market prices. Yeah. Whereas a company with the energy industry is going to be impacted by inflationary pieces, but actually the their particular market may not have the right part of the economy in order to follow that. So you're looking at a company that may not be able to rise with the with the with the rest of the economy in Ireland, particularly if, as predicted, wholesale prices are due to remain reasonably steady over the yes, coming years. Yeah. So looking at that then, the value of money changing over the, over the time, the different organizations valuing uh, indexation slightly differently, that's going to put put a bit of pressure on bid prices then. You're second-guessing yourself, yeah. you're second-guessing everyone else, yeah. and you're looking to try and draw bid prices. Do you bid low up. to get in? Do you factor in indexation? Yeah. Yeah, and um, what do you think you can get past finance company yeah. at the end of the day? What is the bank that you are dealing with going to take a view on index, on the index's movement uh, across the time period of this contract. So again, it's it's a very challenging piece mm-hmm. to push, push back onto a developer. It's something that is, for me, is, is one of the most bizarre calls of, of all this res, res piece. Yeah. Another huge risk for developers and generators, something that they probably can't do a huge amount about, curtailment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, curtailment is interesting. Um, so in the in the current T's and C's as they are, uh, if you are interested for yourself, you can check it out. And section five point six, 
they talk all about curtailment. Um, but essentially, it's it's currently uh, designed in such a way so as compensation for curtailment cannot exceed uh, essentially uh, 10%. So um, I believe that if... And that's 10% for an individual project. So if yes. you're curtailed up yeah. to 10%, you will receive money back. But anything above that, yes. you won't. Yes, exactly. Um, so I believe you can go for about two years um, with 10% or above. After that, you're going to be capped at 10%. Um, and then just kind of uh, in general for anyone who, who maybe doesn't know, but yeah, so curtailment is basically just the reduction in output of a generator from what it could otherwise um, produce. So basically it's capping production that they have the ability to supply, but for systems of you know balancing the grid and uh, whatnot, they are limited to a certain amount. So yeah, it is it is interesting that that's capped at ten percent. It's one of those things that again, a developer has no control over. Yes, developer generator. Uh, anyone on that side of business has no control over. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at uh, companies like AirGrid and be Networks in order to try and minimize that to bring in the incentivization onto the grid network to help drive you know things like SNSP hire, uh, looking at the government to correctly incentivize the network to be built out. You're looking at things like interconnection to be correctly invested in. And how do you make uh, a prediction on that back to your bid uh, at the end of the day? I mean, yeah. you're looking to create bids. You're looking at saying, okay, well, I expect curtailment to be 15% in 2026 on my particular site. How do you even measure yeah. that? How do you even get a fair representation of that and, and and how do you make a bid based on that again it's one of those things that there's no control over it the control comes from the uh, amount of money that the DCCAE and CRU are allowing air grid and networks to invest into the network in order to drive down that curtailment as opposed to each project developer having to try and pick a magic st- substation that won't have any curtailment exactly yet. yeah um, and looking at things like you know offshore wind and the locationality of those, they'll be putting in bigger yeah. bids now in the next few years, not not nine res one. But depending on where they connect into the grid, they could have a huge variability from year to year on on, on curtailment if yeah. the right infrastructure is not put in place for them. Again, really really challenging to to evaluate. Um, and then I guess we'll go back to the market competition as last the last piece. So we've been kind of doing our sums and sharpening our pencil, trying to find all the different available projects. And we we've looked at kind of three main areas, I guess: solar, wind, biomass. And we've tracked down we think about four and a half to five megawatts worth of uh, projects going in, equates to the guts of about ten thousand gigawatt hours, depending on what capacity factor you use. Um, if you use the government's capacity factors, you know, it's about nine and a half gigawatt hours. And this is going into an auction with capacity of between one and three gigawatt hours. So it's yes. it's already already three <laughs> times oversubscribed. Now, if you wanted a competitive auction, I think you've yes, they've, they've definitely succeeded. constructed yeah. one. Um, will all of those projects be piled into the first the first couple? You'd have to imagine. So I mean there's the guts of six six gigawatt hours, seven gigawatt hours of wind onshore yeah, wind just, wind just alone, sitting around. Yeah. Um, and that's not to mention any of the offshore wind coming down the track yeah. as well, which, you know, will be absolutely massive. Large. Um, yeah. It's a couple of gigawatts of wind basically sitting, sitting there in terms of capacity, waiting to come in, come into the market or come into the res auctions, which is going to, you think, would drive down prices. 
but perhaps it won't. I I am not convinced it it will either. Uh, and you're looking at, at those jurisdictions and you're seeing prices come come charging down, you know, yeah. the offshore wind uh, results in France and UK really gives everyone the kind of concept that prices are going to come flying down, tumbling down. Mm-hmm. Huge amount of onshore wind going into these auctions. Uh, supply chain really strong in Ireland for that. People will know their prices quite well. But things like indexation, curtailment, the fact that uh, ESB networks will not be counted as a force majeure on your timeline. Right, yes, yeah. You know, great. a lot of the T's and C's building a huge amount of risk into the, into the bid price for these projects. Yeah. Um, and it may be the construction of this res auction is not um, targeted at lowering the price to as low as it could be, which, you know, a pay is clear auction, you would typically say yeah. it would, uh, which has had much more success. I know they're worried about competition for these auctions, which is perhaps why they've gone to a bid, a bid clearance auction. But again, the competition is there. You know, yeah. it's already three to four times mm-hmm. oversubscribed. So why it's why it's a pay as bid is something that is really, really intriguing. Um, and I'd be really, really intrigued to see what results come out of it. Um, I agree. The, 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 price, the price that comes out of the auction is going to be one of the most cl- closely watched. Yes. Uh, Timeline and the price and the, I think the build out too will be the build out of the projects will be very interesting on the solar yeah. side in particular. Yeah. I think the supply chain on so on solar is gonna be one of the key factors in enabling the transition across Ireland. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking of the, the distributed grid and grid flexibility, I think if you can deliver uh, large volumes of solar very quickly, I think it'll be a really positive thing. But again, it goes back to boring things like supply chain management. <laughs> uh, Exactly. <laughs> Another day. So I guess the final piece then for us to talk about today is our a res package that will come in soon. Uh, we're looking at hosting a series of forums, training courses, network events, as well as a piece, bit of insight uh, through Res Guide mm-hmm. for people who may not have had the chance to get to all of the briefings or who did and need a, a, an avenue to discuss findings and the different pieces with with people who they wouldn't normally get to discuss them in an open in an open environment. So we're starting off with our forum that's going to be targeted at looking at the different pieces in the qualification rounds. Try to take any information out of that to, to help people who are looking to bid in. Um, and that's open to companies like developers, investors, legal firms, or anyone with the with an active participation in res. We'll be following that up with our guide, a couple of training courses and networking events. And then also anyone who takes on the full package will also get discounted rates on any consultancy that they take on afterwards uh, to help them pull together all of their different uh, bids and things like that for this auction. So from all of us here in Cornwall Insights, uh, a big thank you to my colleague, Catherine, for joining me today. Thanks again for having me. So again, that forum's in March, um, and we're accepting anyone who is looking to get into that. And if you have any further questions, don't hesitate to contact us or visit our website for further information. Uh, the, res, the res package details are all up there, and you'll find any information on our upcoming forums there too. Thank you.